Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Ooh, let the walls on fire, let them burn. We've got a lot to say, but we don't need words. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. This voice you hear is mine, Matthew Robertson, staff writer at Lookout Landing. And I'm taking over the podcast because we're using my computer. <laughs> so you're all at the mercy That's of me. That's how it works, folks. You're at the mercy of me and like a seven-year-old laptop. Uh, I'm joined today by our fearless leader, the... Uh, the Quavo to my takeoff, Kate Prusser. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, it's a, it's a Migos reference, Kate. Oh, yeah. uh, what's that sound they always make? It's certainly not that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you know, Migos is. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't. All right, well... <laughs> That's okay. Kate, how are you doing besides, you know, whatever that just was? <laughs> thinking that Migos is a, is a group farm of dogs. Bird. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was like a brunch dish, so I guess, whatever. Um, I'm, nope. I'm doing good. Speaking of brunch, we're sort of having like a day podcast, live yeah. in-person podcast, giving up a little bit of uh, sound quality for that fresh in-person experience, so... I have my coffee, and I have my monkey bread, and I have 
all the various accoutrements of brunch. So yes. I yeah. am, like any white woman, would be deeply satisfied. Yeah, Kate is drowning in accoutrements. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And uh, also joining us is Deputy Managing Editor, I believe. Yeah, maybe it's a very important and formal title. Deputy uh, we take Editor. Very Deputy, Editor. Deputy Managing Editor. And I guess to continue the, the Migos analogy, you would be Offset? That's great. That's a fantastic situation for me. You are thinking of Migos, by the way. I am. Which is delicious and fantastic. Much like Migos, probably. But I don't know. They do not look like they would taste very good. Um, Isn't Offset the one who, the only thing I know about him is that he climbed on stage trying to get Cardi B back with him? Because Cardi B, I know. they are together. Yes, but he is like the small market team trying to hold on to a superstar. That is the tweet, right? That is the tweet. (laughs) I think John is much better. Shout out to tweets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can John rap? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I do not attempt. That's true. That is true. I uh, I just watched Free Solo with my roommate. Have you guys seen this? Heard Uh, about this? I watched the trailer. I know the entire story. It was as someone who is already scared of heights and like got a little queasy watching tower heist mm. with i believe ben stiller i figured that oh, one wow. was not going to there's like a yeah <laughs> vertigo inducing scene so you're uh, afraid of heights you're like seven feet tall I you are height i was built very tall i have like a <laughs> four to five inch vertical leap i'm not meant to get that much further off the ground like i was built the proper distance off the ground i don't need to get any further off i like being on the ground on solid, solid green earth, it's great. How was Free Solo? What was, so, what was your perspective? Basically, about? for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a movie about a guy who wants to die, but he's way too good at rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially the movie. Like, every single time he's like, I'm doing it, might die. And then he comes back and he's like, well, I didn't die. But he's like, really, he's like truly the best rock climber of all time. He's mm. doing this, like, this wall in Yosemite that's like the holy grail of rock climbing and he's doing it without a rope or anything. It's just... It's called El Capitan. El Capitan, yeah. He's doing it free solo, which is the title of the movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, beautiful movie. Some of the shots they get are horrifying, but they're like very beautiful. Takes you into like his life and Mm. sort of everything. But it's just been on my mind since Mm. I watched it. Well, like, half the movie is about how, like, all of his friends who are, like, helping film it are, like, terrified that they're going to film their friend die. Oh, my God. Like, right? I mean... No, that is another big part of the movie, yeah. They're worried about, like, essentially being complicit in his death. Or, like, if there's a camera crew, if that's going to make him more nervous, you know? Which is another thing that comes up. He, like, bails on one of the climbs because he's not comfortable doing it in front of the camera. But you can make the case that it's the most... Impressive athletic achievement of all time because nine hundred meters straight up, straight, straight granite. And as he explains many times, like in order to do it, you have to bat a thousand or you die. Yeah, like, you cannot slip even for a second or you will perish. So is this the the segue into talking about the Seattle Mariners? Then no, uh. <laughs> that was just me thinking about a movie. Okay. I don't know, recapping the listeners on our life. I, 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 I of thought you were like setting up a long thing where you're gonna be like, and like the Mariners, he cannot make a mistake in order to maintain his precarious position. No, that was. I mean, no, we can run with that. That's good. I'm you just. Did think, that. I'm just thinking. You know, it's a, it's a Mariners podcast. It is so a Mariners like, podcast. We probably wanna. Yeah. We, we, you know the. 
Matthew's movie podcast. That's coming later. Separately. Yeah. <laughs> the Mariners, though, are climbing without a rope. Nothing is holding them back. There you go. There mm-hmm. it is. Um, the 9-2 and two Seattle Mariners. The league-leading Seattle Mariners. Best team in baseball by winning percentage, wins, and dingers. Yeah, and beating laundry. <laughs> Got rid of the Red Sox and the White Sox. Yes. Very yes. So. We mm-hmm. stand triumphant over yeah. all uh, sartorial teams. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've actually kind of been like somewhat detached just because of circumstances. Like I didn't really see much of the White Sox series. I saw bits and pieces here and there. Day baseball is tough. It is. It is. And then there was the rain out. Like I was planning on watching the Thursday game, but then got postponed because no one has a roof, which is another issue that we're going to talk about later, I think. But it feels nice to just check in. Like when I was monitoring the series and just being like, oh, I wonder what cool thing is going to happen. Like, <laughs> someone said that, right? One of yeah, the it was, um, I, I want to say Jason it was Chase Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. Bradford Surprising source of, um, of joy this yeah. year. Yeah. Did not think Jason Bradford would be like, because he's the, he's, a, he's a like expected source of pitches in the strike zone, which yes. makes him relatively a, <laughs> yes, a, yes. a source of joy for the bullpen. But he, I think he said it best. He said the attitude is that they just go out and what cool thing can we do today? And mm-hmm. I think that not only is that a great way to live as a baseball team, but it's a great way to kind of live your life. Like, yeah. Yeah. wake up every day and ask yourself, what this cool is an intervention, can I do listeners. today? Yeah. <laughs> You're not doing nearly enough cool things, <laughs> Get out there and cool it up. But that's kind of been my approach to watching because I have not, like last season and pretty much for the whole Cano era, I was like, I need them to win so they can make the playoffs and get this monkey off our back. But then this year, it's more like, it just happened accidentally that they are winning and in extremely early playoff position. But it's more like, oh, what's Vogelbeck going to do today? Which reliever is going to have their first ever save or whatever? Like, it's all just like random cool occurrences that are happening and it's, like, kind of gravy on everything else. Which, in a way, is what I thought I was going to be watching this season. Like, I was going to be watching this season to see Domingo Santana and mm-hmm. what Domingo Santana might be. And, and watch this season and see, you know, if players who didn't have great years last year could take a step forward this year. Like, what's Ryan Healy going to do? Um, what kind of improvements can D. Gordon make now that he's healthy? Right. Um, can Daniel Vogelbach perform when he's given right. at least a little bit more you know, consistent play. Absolutely. And in watching each of those individuals, somehow it's kind of all added up to this big, beautiful, bountiful, offensive slugging team. That's yeah. just, and offense is fun. It's really fun. I've never yeah. been like the world's You're, biggest yeah, dinger person. Yes, but. A dinger denialist. I'm, I'm not a dinger denialist. I just love the hit tool. I love getting like a clutch hit. And yesterday I did feel like they um, they paid me back a little bit when mm. in that extremely long third inning against mm. Nova. It was literally five singles in a row broken mm. up only by Mitch Hanniger grounding out. Um, but yeah, it was just like, oh, okay, we can we can go big fly, but we can also just be really annoying, and I like that. I like my baseball players annoying the other team. Hundred percent. I part of the White Sox series that I did catch was Sunday's game, like the first two or three innings. So I think I caught the beginning of that rally. Mm-hmm. But part of it was it might have been the second inning actually was Narvaez had like a thirteen pitch at bat, and I was like, this is. Like, truly, truly the exact opposite of what we've had in the past. Yeah. Mm. Like, 
the Z is definitely being seed, but it's also <laughs> like, like you said, just them being annoying and like not just, you know, like giving in. Like Narvaez was getting the same pitch and just kept fouling, fouling it, it off, away. fouling it off, fouling. So, like yeah. almost just discarding it. Like no, get up them with something else. <laughs> I'm gonna hit 35 foul balls. Trash. <laughs> so like you trash. have a decision to make. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I think Dreyer post Shannon Dreyer posted a tweet that uh, last year they were 27th in the majors at taking p- at pitches per at bat, mm-hmm. and this year they're up to like seventh already. Yeah, maybe they were 29th right. last year. I think it was 27th, but yeah. but they were not. It was not a strength, and it was only no. I think because you know they actually would have some hitters who at least teams would pitch around like Cruz, whereas like or your Haniger, whereas like you know. The Royals, no one was pitching around anyone, but like, right. <laughs> um, but I, I think to your point about the hit tool, you know, it's been obviously they've been hitting for way more power than really we expected or anyone expected. Um, and at some point, you know, that's going to slip a little bit, just even if they continue doing what they're doing because teams will adjust a little bit, but they are striking out at. A below league average rate, which was true last year. Yeah. But they are actually sort of capitalizing when the ball, when they're making contact. You know, Mm -hmm. last year it was a lot of short at bats where the contact would be on the ground or just not very good. Yeah. And this year you're seeing guys waiting for their pitch or having those long at bats, like you guys mentioned, where Narvaez fights, 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 eventually actually gets his pitch and still manages to hit it. And that's been every game, basically. You know I mean? Like, they've had one poor offensive game, and it happened to coincide with the best pitching game of the year. Um, And, you know, every other game essentially has been just a strong, balanced performance. So, the hit tool has been there, and it's just also led to power, which is... Really cool to watch. I mean, you see that in Ryan. I don't think that any player is a better embodiment of that change Mm -hmm. in approach than Mm -hmm. Ryan would, like, last year really try to be aggressive on a first-pitch fastball, and then pitchers figured him out, and they started throwing him some garbage, and he chased. And then his at-bat was, like, over like that. Now you see him really being more selective, waiting for his pitch, and then really doing damage on that, like, 2-0 pitch. Yeah. So... It'll be, I guess, is there anyone, is there anyone that you've seen who you think has done something, who, who do you think has shown the most dramatic change? Is it Ryan, or the change that you think would be consistent, that could be, even if it's not at this rate, that still would be like a dramatic improvement from last year that could be sustained? I think I'm, I, I'll go with Ryan just because his at-bats were literally painful for me to watch last year. Like it uh-huh. pained me to watch him take an at bat. And it did it it didn't just pain me because they were bad at bats. It pained me because of his reaction afterwards. Because yeah. Ryan takes things very intensely. Mm-hmm. And you know, I heard him tell a story once on seven ten about how he was at like a baseball turn both his parents are athletes and both of them have really high expectations of him and um he got like second at a tournament or something, and his dad like threw away his second place trophy in the trash. Like wow. it didn't make it to the Yeesh. car. I know. Master motivator. I, I I have some real qualms about, but I just think if that's like your mindset, I think it's it's equal. Well, I think it can be good, but it can also be really damaging to have that. And last year, you just see him get so frustrated, and yeah. um, 
He did have some bad at-bats in the Angels game against mm-hmm. Cahill where it looked like old Ryan, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. I think a good slider, a, a really solid slider still gets him, but yeah. he's at least been he's been laying off a little bit more. It's kind of like, I, I, this this comparison may not ring very well with a lot of people, but you know when Zunino came back in 2017 and he was mostly the same hitter except he was didn't swing at every pitch in the dirt anymore and like that just by itself was enough to make yes. him into like a passable player yeah. like enough to like yeah. make it so like okay your glove like you're you're hitting well enough that like we are comfortable that we can have your amazing glove back there yeah it was uh, it was a little concerning to watch him that one day but he he did ryan did kind of bounce back it was good to see him take good at bats this series i mean nova is capable i mean he's, a, he's, he's like capable. an average pitcher he's, he's an still average pitcher. pitching yeah so. <laughs> yes that's something good for him uh and cahill is very similar to that and you know it's so much easier to be like okay now we're going to work on you not flailing at a slider. Then uh, now we're going to work on everything because right. your at bats are garbage, and we have to. So just seeing those, I I believe that they are. Um, I believe that Ryan's w- will not probably go at this pace because they're going to readjust to him as they did to Zanino when mm. Zanino quit chasing and then they pitched him differently and then he he took another step back. So that'll happen, but I I. And I think he'll take a little dip. He won't hit at this amazing clip all year, but I, I want to believe. I think he's a little bit of a slow learner, but I want to believe that he's going to make the adjustments and, um, and be much better than he was last year. I sure hope so because I've compared him like you said uh, his thing where he would like you know have some bad at bats. They would like linger. He mm-hmm. would get. Visibly sad. That reminded me of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. It's just immediate like oh shoulder slump, yes. sad yeah. walk back to the dugout. So I'm hoping he can transition more into like a Tigger. A poo or the, a tigger. the Tigger is who Ryan is yeah. deep down. Is he not like I Ryan? Think so. is I think totally it's a, a spectrum tigger. where like Eeyore is the worst of Ryan. <laughs> middle ground would be Pooh, and then top would be Tigger. Yeah, we want we want you to live to your full Tigger potential. Absolutely, Ryan. Yeah, I think this discussion we've had um, bleeds nicely into a question we got. We're just gonna pepper them in because we got so many questions. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, as always. But this is one that I think is kind of. At the top of everyone's mind, something that I'm sure a lot of fans are wrestling with. The question comes from Nick Fielden. Nick says, how long do the Mariners need to keep this up for you to believe that we have a shot this season? And obviously there's a lot of variables here, a lot of reasons for concern. But, I mean, the wins are here. And the thing that has kept me, you know, I still don't think if I had to put actual currency on it, I don't think the Mariners are going to make the playoffs. But... The American League looks so so bad that so I think bad. I think the door is like cracked open a little bit. So yeah. unbelievable. Because all it really bad. takes is one prolonged slip up from the Yankees, Red Sox, or Rays trio. Well, the, the Yankees aren't healthy. Exactly. That's their right. big problem. So that is helping us. And they've been they've been managing to sort of tread water a bit, and they right. played the Orioles, but yeah. they I think they're going to run into some challenges. Sabathia maybe comes back soon, but. Especially if they end up losing Andujar for the rest of the year, um, you know they're already down Severino for a while. They're already down Tulowitzki now. They're down. Yeah, who Gre- could have seen that one? They're down. Gre- <laughs> they're down Gregorius until the middle of the year. Yeah, I mean they are. 
uh, they're in a rough spot. And, yeah. and, I mean, Sanchez is not a guy with a great injury history either. Aaron Hicks is still out. Stanton's on the the IL. So, yeah, they, they are a a bit of a target right now. And, mm. you know, the, the M's have not played the Astros yet. They no. haven't played... I mean, they haven't played the Yankees yet, but, you know, they say what you will about how rough the Red Sox have looked. Ostensibly, the pitchers that they have are still good pitchers, and the reason that the, the Red Sox... Well, their ERAs tend Right, but that's largely <laughs> because the Mariners clobbered Kate them, right? Kate has turned so quickly yeah, after that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, like, either... It, my, for me, the thought process is, I, is it more likely that Chris Sale... Uh, Nathan Yavaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez are suddenly terrible or that the Mariners lit yeah. up some pretty yeah. good pitchers. And so, like, I, I think that's a good look. And I, I think we're going to have a lot. I think we're going to have a season of mostly this. And I think there are going to be some more games where the errors burn them more or the offense yeah. isn't going to be able to keep it up because they're you know I mean they're allowing five over five runs a game. Like, You're not going to score bad. 10 runs on the Astros <laughs> pitching staff. And that's uh, that's what I'm cons- so Well, and that's okay, right? I mean like that's that part of that is like that's okay, great but... teams have great numbers in part because they wallop shitty teams. And the Mariners last year eked by a lot of shitty teams and then also kind of eked by good teams, but like they never really dominated anyone except for Cleveland like yeah. that one weird yeah. series yeah and so you know like I, even when they had that great run they early in the season it was it was like they took two out of three from the Tigers they took two out of three from the White Sox right. so it was like you need all these wins because you know everyone else is getting all these wins sure. so I, I think I'm not going to believe in their playoff chances for at least until like the end of May, I think. I was gonna say August. Like, I want to. I really want this to like play out before I get too excited. Just based off like the talent level of this team and yeah. knowing like what happened just last year, sure. for example, when we were ten games up on a playoff spot in July, and then you know the balloon kind of burst. So I'm just gonna. I'm approaching this season with like a bit of sort of. Like detachment, just because I don't want to get fully invested until it's like somewhat clear that this might be real. Like I just don't want to get hurt again, Kate. Right? No, it's I, last season was such a extended. It just felt like for all of July and August, somebody was kicking me all the time, just yeah. like a constant. You know, like one of those Rube Goldberg machines with like a boot <laughs> on it. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. just a perpetual motion. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course, uh, but. I am really interested in what they do when they come home from this road trip. Um, they've got the games against Kansas City, and then they come back, and that's when they have to face the Astros. Yeah. And I think that, and then they have Cleveland after that, who are off to a shaky start, but. This is the time to play Cleveland, for yeah. sure. Yeah, before for, Lindor yeah. gets back, and before they sort of stabilize. Yeah, and I mean, maybe even that then isn't going to be a good reflection, but I, the Astros, I think. How they play the Astros at the end of a very long road trip. They'll have gone like two weeks basically without an off day. Um, That's going to tell me a lot about the team going forward. I guess here's what I'll say. I I do not... uh, Part of what's made this year so delightful is its unexpectedness and how 
the expectations have not been there, and so everything has been gravy, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I, I am not going to adjust that sort of mentality. It'll be, you know, disappointing if they lose nine of their next eleven games. I'll absolutely be sad about that. But like, it's you know, this has been a really great start for both the short term of just getting to watch good baseball and also the longer term of seeing guys hopefully making adjustments. So I think what you mentioned earlier, Kate, about how you were coming into this year wanting to watch each individual player for something or wanting to watch like Domingo Santana make a, see how he looks. I think watching, continuing to watch with that mentality is what I'm going to try and do and what, you know, I, I, Watch them however you please, but I think that that's a great way to watch and find entertainment and satisfaction in the team, regardless. As much in as in so much as that's possible for you, the Mariners are a really good exercise in mindfulness right now. Right, yes. they're all teaching us how to how to live better. Yeah, that's the whole point of sports, right? Is to right. get you know life lessons out of it and try yeah, to mine. I, that's what movies have told me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about mining actual actual meaning from you know Tim Beckham doubles and Dan Vogel back home runs. How did that apply to me? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been. I mean, for me, the funness of this season has been watching the guys who have never succeeded in a Mariners uniform do that. So that's you know Vogie because he never got playing time. D Gordon looks like himself. And then the new guys who just didn't play for the Mariners before. But, like, Santana and Beckham and Malik have just been all the fun in the world. So that's what I've liked about it so far. It's really joyful. Like, I feel so joyful for Tim Beckham. Like, I want him. He's had a rough road, you know, and totally. all those pressure, all, all those expectations. And, and he just seems to be having so much fun, and I'm so happy for him. Absolutely, Yeah. It's easy to root for these guys, I think, which makes Absolutely. it, you know, even if things do go south, that'll make it a little easier for me. Just not, like, actually hating any of the players <laughs> is a plus, as it turns out. Um, let's talk about this sort of weird embarrassment of riches we've fallen into, where Kyle Seeger is going to come back in June, and he's going to have a spot on the roster, which will force someone out. And we have some questions about it. Um, Zay on Twitter at Zay51 and Steven Mataya basically had the same question, which is, like, when Seager comes back, who's the odd man out? Does Kyle maybe go to a utility role if Ryan Healy is still, you know, playing well and not fucking up at third base every day? <laughs> like, what do you guys envision when Kyle's back? And, like, if, especially if they're still, let's say, just above 500 and that kind of makes the decision a little more meaningful. When is Seager slated to get back? Uh... Probably like early June. Early June. Late, maybe late May, but probably early June. Early June, and I hope I hope he has like a. I hope they are very. You can give him up to twenty days, maybe thirty days. days. I think it's twenty days of rehab. I um, I, max. I hope that they just send him all over the system. I want to see Kyle Steger yeah. in West Virginia. I want to oh, see God. him in Tacoma. I want to see thrilled. him in he's Arkansas. From North Carolina. That's probably yeah, no, he'd probably he love it. No, him. send Kyle Seeger to the power for a while. I think that would Let be him great. Talk to Jared and Julio and Bobby Honeyman. Have him coach up. Yeah, uh, Kyle Seeger coaching whispering. up. Oh, absolutely. Kyle Seeger coaching up Bobby Honeyman at third would be awesome. I think so. I I hope that they take their time with him because. Yeah, it's useless to rush him back, especially when the team is doing well or 
maybe there's no reason to do it. Um, I am so concerned about his bat. I'm so concerned about his bat. Yeah, I can I really know. hear it in your voice. Uh, I'm really going to not enjoy not watching Ryan Healy at third base and the like miniature heart attacks I get every time a ball is hit to the left side of the infield. Yeah, that is not fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean literally. Anywhere on the left side, whether it's... Healy more at third or Beckham at short. I'm like, this could be anything. This yeah. could turn into three bases. <laughs> this, this is the, like, the Mariners are the argument for like why a, having fewer strikeouts makes baseball more exciting because like <laughs> there is a reasonable case to be made that like at players are just better than they ever have been and like you have more athleticism, more balls and players are going to be turned into outs. But like. Not here. Like, <laughs> think anything could happen. If a ground ball is hit anywhere other than D. Gordon, it is. Yeah. It, you just better hold on. Type. Yeah. Like, uh, Ryan is a, a decent defensive first baseman, but yeah, I am. I guess we get some Jay Bruce in the outfield. I somebody on Twitter suggested cycling, like start cycling them now, mm-hmm. so that they're getting used to it. Yeah, I might as well. Uh, the schedule is so punishing for right now, too, that it would be good to get guys used to having scheduled off days. Right. Um, and I think, like, you're just going to have to start machining them all through, right? Mm. Like, sometimes Ryan will play third, and sometimes Kyle will play third. And and so... I, I do think Dylan Moore, maybe they try to send him to... to I mean, he's certainly the odd like, man out yeah. here to answer the question. He's got... Three options left, so yeah, he'll be on the on the Tacoma shuttle, I assume, once Kyle's back. Yeah, I think maybe even before that. I think the likeliest, because I I don't know if they would send more down, just because you do need to have a utility person, and Kyle, I mean, there are no other shortstops other than D. That's true. Um, and D's was moved off of shortstop for a reason. So yeah, anyway. but I mean, D D would be passable at shortstop, and you can put Kyle at second. Kyle played second in sure, college. right? Like, but yeah, I, I guess it would be rough. I do I not think. think you can keep Dylan Moore in his noodle bat on the roster when yeah. when Kyle Seager comes. I back. guess I, what I think is more likely is that by that time we've seen a trade. Um, Hopefully, because. Especially if Encarnacion and Jay Bruce are hitting, uh, you know, in this scenario where the M's are still over 500 and like looking like they're in it, I don't think that necessarily changes the way that the M's look for you know, or target a trade. But I think there's a great chance that they look for either a starting, you know, like a high minor starting pitching prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone, you know, another in middle infield prospect, right. like uh, a truly, something like that, like a need based trade. Where yeah, like you're filling a very specific yes. hole. Which is because I mean, they've they've said it. They said it. Jerry said it again in the most recent wheelhouse. Like they're not going to, regardless of what they make trades for, any trade that they make that would essentially go onto the major league roster would be dependent on having years of control um and i think that makes sense but that means that you're looking for players that either you think you can get more out of than the other team has or which we've seen them do which we've seen them do but i think you'll i think the likeliest resolution is either an injury to one of the four guys who are playing first or third or 
uh, a trade of Bruce or Encarnacion. Oh, hold the presses. We got a minor league dinger. Ooh, who dinger? Number 21 on the Rainiers. <laughs> He's left-handed, and he hit a home run. I can't. Shedlong scores. I truly have no idea who that is. It is a Whiteman, it looks like. And Joey Carletta scored. Oh, Carletta scores. oh my God. So we have a three-run so dinger in Sacramento. Look at Joey Carletta From, standing next to Shedlong. Is that Lobatone? Uh, uh, might be Tim Lopes. I don't think Tim Lopes is left-handed. No, I think you're right. Um, this is a great podcast material. Yeah, yeah sorry. This we is... have a 1.05 p.m. on Monday, and the Rainiers hit a home run, and none of us who are paid to cover the Mariners know who he was. <laughs> Good job, Ben. It is Lobatone. 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 I take back all the D.H. Jose Lobatone. Oh, I and J.P. Crawford follows the ringing single. Okay, well, let's, let's reel this back in. Yeah, I mean, that, that is why, that's why I don't think we'll make a trade for any kind of middle infield, because you have Shedd and J.P. Crawford hanging right. out in Tacoma pushing for spots, and now Tim Beckham is, you know, that I don't, any trade that I think would be made would be for pitching, because our pitching is just fair. so... Yeah. So thin. Okay, so let's move to this uh, this question from Roop Deville. Thank you, Roop ah, Deville. That's good. Um, will Jay Bruce still be a Mariner by Independence Day? That seems. I mean, if we're talking trades, and especially for pitching, like Jay Bruce could be that guy. The question really becomes like, who would need Jay Bruce, and who would want <laughs> Jay Bruce? <laughs> not that he's bad. I'm just, like he's you know older and. Not really like a marquee trade chip. It'd be weird, I think. To I think he's team. a great candidate for Cleveland, who has who did both, just have him. Yeah. Um, no outfielders that are good other than Leonis Martin, who is coming off of a life-threatening illness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and whose bat is still extremely Leonis Martin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty decent like, defensive outfield, but right. they cannot hit it. Right. No. And they are starting Jake Bowers at first base, who is a reasonable prospect, but is been a little shaky. And then Carlos Santa. It has and some positional flexibility. He can play right field. Right. Yeah. And so that would sort of fit. Yeah. Uh, with what they were going for in terms of having, you know, a, a couple guys. And Cleveland and has pitching that they could give us. They have some pitching They certainly prospects. do. I don't, I don't have a great sense of where they're at, the high minors, but do you do you know anyone off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. Sure. I, but I do, think, I do think that would be the first fit. The nice thing with Bruce is that because he's just a little bit more athletic, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can send him to an L team. So that, yeah. you know, if the Rockies are in it, Rockies would be a good fit. They had yeah. just, you know, Ian Desmond is a disaster. Oh, they, sure big facts. David Dahl just got hurt. They Daniel Murphy broke his hand. Yeah. Really? I didn't even see that. I or loved, broke his finger. I love Jay Bruce too much to send him to the Rockies. But they he are so many dingers. Fight. He would hit yeah. all the dingers. I think that's a, like, pretty that, that's place a to go. I also fit. don't want anything out of the Rockies system, really, that is pitching, because I don't know. But no, I, there there are definite fits for him around the league. I would be sad to see Dad Bruce because I love I love a good team. Yeah, it's pretty. I saw him do one interview at FanFest, and you know, a fan asked him to sing, and he sang, and it was just very sweet. He's saying, "I've got friends in low places." Oh, that's a great. That's a good yeah, well, too. apparently he sang it at. Um, at the Grand Old Opry, and he was like, I, people wait their whole lives to get on that stage, and I just, 
desecrated it. Wow. It was like a charity, was like a charity thing. We love a self-deprecating uh, he's like, he's dad. Like, yeah, he's a self-deprecating dad, and he just seems to be a great teammate, and everything I've heard is that the guys just love him. So Yeah, with that said, I don't think he'll be a Mariner no, by Independence not. Day. Right. I mean, one of Bruce or Encarnacion like, has to go. Otherwise, like I'm going to wonder if Jerry has any sort of plan. Like You can't just keep him around all year. Like That would be a complete waste. you got to get something. So I'm going to say Bruce is the one to go. A lot of it because of that positional versatility. Like Encarnacion is pretty much limited to AL teams unless an NL team really has like a first base disaster they need filled. So I'm going to say uh, Bruce is gone by Independence Day, much to, uh, to Kate's dismay. I think he'll be all right. There's other dads out there. A lot of the guys on the team right, have children. Right. Um, <laughs> it's not just being a dad, though. It's, it, it, you have to embody the Anyone actual... can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. Wow. Yeah, my, my dad actually had a mug that said that. No way. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is plagiarizing. <laughs> plagiarizing. Please do not cancel us. <laughs> Okay, um, speaking of, while we're kind of on the, that first base logjam, we got another question about one of those men involved in the logjam. Let me guess, let me guess, is it our large adult son? Oh, no, but we could oh. do that. No, 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 no. This one was regarding um, one Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah. Not directly, though. This is from um, Trista Winnie on Twitter. Trista wants to know, which invisible animal would you give a ride around the bases after hitting a home run, oh. i.e. Edwin's parrot that he, you know, carries around after hitting a home run. Mm. You didn't plan for this, I'm noticing. I, I didn't. I saw this question. It's a great question. I mean, I kind of want to say falcon, so that mm. I could have, like, the falconer's myth falconry? up. Yeah. yeah. Gonna be honest, that seems too that's close. That's a really... Well, I guess that... Oh, shit! Guy, right? Right? Yeah, no, I'm that's, doing that's, that's not a good thing. around with an arm extended in the air. I'm sorry, I just did it here. <laughs> Got a visual. That's Cancel so that answer. Cancel that answer. Is canceled. It's a workshop. I'm going to think. John, why don't you go ahead? So, <laughs> um, I think that... I think Edwin's done a really good job, and I think it's hard to sort of delineate like what animal. You've yeah, yeah, that's said. that's the problem. I think, the, I think the next step is what an, what invisible animal are you riding around the bases? Ooh, um, so, so that's also very limited, though. You can only ride. It's true, the but no one's doing it, so you get to sort of be true. on the ground right, floor, right. setting the tone. Like yeah. if if Edwin was just doing what he did, but said like, "Oh, this is my hawk." Like it'd be all, you know, it'd be like, "Oh, you know." Walk the hawk, but no, uh, no, yeah, maybe. not my cock. No, well, <laughs> no. you said no. that. We did. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Let's 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 avoid that. I think I would like maybe like a koala bear, although Ooh. it would be hard you to show. Yeah, it would be like an animal just clinging to me. There's a lot of production into that. Chewing on my hair, maybe. I don't know. I just love the idea of like a koala bear like congratulating me for hitting a home run and I just get to cuddle it as I'm running. I think they're sort of assholes, aren't they? Can I've heard mixed bears? things. I've heard, I think they're very chill, very docile when they're unbothered. Yeah. Mm. But then like I think if a human was to like go up to a koala and bother it. Well, they sleep like asshole. 18 hours a day too, So right? maybe if you just had a sleeping koala. Oh, that would be very on brand yeah. for me. This, this, there could not be a worse thing to put audio-wise on the podcast, but have any of y'all either, or have either of y'all heard a koala like scream? Yes. Oh my God. It's, yeah, I've seen that. It video. is an unworldly sound. And so you should. You would be doing that and making the koala scream. Yeah, I'm screaming and hugging. 
could not be a better incentive. Yeah. Your on-base percentage would be fantastic because yeah. pitchers would <laughs> never want you to get uh, anything to hit a home run. Yeah, I'm, uh, just, I'm terrified of what that would look like, but I will try it. I love otters, so I feel Ooh. like I would try to like act like I was part of a, a family of playful sea otters. Like, Do you think maybe that... I would take a teammate and hold its hand, hold their hand as I went around the bay, like otters. Hands oh, I see. Asleep. That's definitely not allowed. I think it's a <laughs> Are you like saying you're gonna call a teammate out from the dugout? Yeah, and just yeah. just Come hold here. hands and, and, and float around run the, on the field. Just yeah. float Get around ejected, the bases. <laughs> It's like that video. Remember when that softball player like broke their leg on the home yeah. trot? Oh, that and none of their beautiful. players could help. Them yeah, that. it'd be like that. But Kate is just calling out friends to help her. No yeah. one's injured. It's just a party. No, I would like. Oh man, I'd get the fans involved. I'd find yeah. like a kid in the stands, and yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm surprised that's not a thing. Honestly, you ought to do that. Aww. Nailed it. <laughs> Man, we're killing it today. This in-person podcast really opens things up nicely oh, for, our, uh, for our jokes, for our animal noises, things like that. Um, okay, so we are chugging right along here. We have a varied range of questions. I'm trying to somehow pull them all together while also keeping an eye on this riveting Rainier's River Cats game that's happening right now. Um, I guess this is something that we should probably touch on real quick just because it's sort of timely. Um, early in the season, we always see these weird schedules, both from the actual schedule makers themselves and from the weird rainouts, bad weather situations. Last year, we had the famous games in Minnesota that were like 15 oh my degrees. God, those are so miserable. You had Guillermo Heredia wearing his entire wardrobe on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Things like he that. Was. But he was he literally just, wearing like he nine just layers. layered up like that kid in the Christmas story. Yeah. You know? yeah. Okay, normal. <laughs> yeah. That was Guillermo. So um, our own Eric Sanford, uh, delightful presence on Twitter and in real life, um, came at us with some some heat. He said, please stop being cowards, rude, and give us your best <laughs> answer to last week's Fan Post Friday prompt, which was, how would you fix MLB scheduling? This came on the heels of the cancellation at Guaranteed Rate Field, whatever it's oh, called. Oh, qu- quick Quick plug for the fan posts. Every Friday, Eric posts a question. Um, you can write a fan post on the site to respond to it if you happen to like the question. Yeah. If you do a good job, we will put it on the front page of the site. So if you want to get your voice out there, go and do that. Dangling the carrot of exposure. <laughs> it's so delicious. So I actually did some research on I'm this. Filling. I figured out a way to, uh, to fix this problem so we will never have 10 degree games again it's gonna piss off a lot of teams but i think it's only fair that uh we don't play any games in the midwest until june thoughts i think that's great i think that's uh i mean it's been like an annual issue just especially now that the season's moved up earlier because i think that's not a bad thing you know that the players get a few extra off days during the season but like it's just so it's just it's unbelievably like unprepared that like Seattle has a roof in a place that like while it has a obviously a reputation for raining a lot yeah. has less annual rainfall than like Minnesota and I think Chicago like a number of the places where these Midwestern games are happening. Sure, so, and the yeah. like the March April rain here is a little more 
calm. Yeah, like, you're getting full on storms in yeah. some of these places. Yeah. Like if they want to host baseball games, they need to you know sort of be mature and actually prepare for to host a baseball game. You need to be mature and say fuck the entire Midwest. Yeah. We don't get anything. We're gonna front load your schedule with road games. I actually put this together. There's a way to do this where the first couple, let's say the first three series of every year all start in the same 15 cities. So it's the Mariners, who have the roof, obviously. Yeah. A's, Angels, Rangers, who have, have good weather. Yeah. Astros, who have a roof. Toronto has a roof. Tampa has a roof. Miami has good weather and a roof. San Diego, LA, Arizona, no problems there. Yeah. And Milwaukee has a roof. So then yeah. the risks would be, that's only 12. The risks would come if you had, like, Atlanta, I feel like, could yeah, be that's okay. That's probably pretty solid, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the eastern seaboard ones, like D.C. could probably do it. You are, you know, risking the random storm here and there. And then maybe Kansas City, you get cold for sure. But I don't think they have the crazy... It's not quite as rainy. Rainy yeah. and so, yeah. windy I mean, they, situations. Yeah. Remember you want that to avoid... awful... There was an awful game in D.C. where it was raining, just pouring. You remember? It was like... One of the Armed Services Day or something. Ooh. Rob Whalen pitched. He, yeah, re- remember, and Segura gross. got hurt sliding or something. Oh, it was that was yeah. awful. You really want to like avoid June, like so. DC, Philly, Chicago, or not DC. I mean, I guess sometimes DC, yeah. Philly, and Chicago and Minnesota. I feel like are the well, ones. if we're doing DC, we can probably do Baltimore also. Baltimore, but, yeah, but yeah. That that's gonna you know be dicey, but I think you're gonna get a much better experience. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. The, other, the other way of doing it also is just expand. Expand to add two more teams, and you can have yep. Vegas or Portland and Montreal. You know, like and make them build stadiums. You have with to have roofs. a roof. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, like all three of those almost assuredly would have a roof on their stadium. I mean, like Portland has sort of similar rain rep to Seattle. Maybe it doesn't get quite as much, but and then Vegas, it'd be like Arizona, where it's so hot that you have to have yeah. the AC, and Montreal, just like you know they. Yeah. do in Toronto you'd, have, you'd want to have a roof so yeah I think that's we fixed it I do we feel did. like the teams that have you know gone the extra mile to put a roof on their stadium should be rewarded with like opening day at home every year like don't make us start on the road in these cold climates if we yeah. have the ability to just avoid that altogether I, I think you should be punished if you can't host a baseball game yes. I agree I agree. Yeah, you're a bad baseball team if you can't actually host the baseball games that drive the revenue to yeah. your team. It's pretty simple. And it's unfair that it screws up the other team. That Minnesota thing really, the Mariners had to make an extra stop in Minnesota, yeah. and that was when they were starting to like kind of crater. So Yeah, yeah I was, hate to see that. Nah. Yeah, okay, we can't do this entire podcast without talking about our large adult son who you hinted at of earlier. Of course, of course. We need to uh, give him some shine. He's been... One of the best hitters in Major League history through 11 games. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. He's having one of the best starts to the season of anyone in the history of this sport. We're, of course, talking about Daniel Vogelbach yeah. and his uh, just prodigious home run rate thus far. Uh, we take a break. Safe. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Sorry. We're, we're also can, watching the Rainiers just yeah. boat race the River Cats. Yeah, right well, I turned inning. around to do this podcast, which is the reason I'm here, and the Rainiers are up 7-3. to three. They do have so, eight yeah. straight hits, including a Braden Bishop double. You know who else has eight straight hits? Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> don't fact check me. Don't fact check me. The thing that I have... There will be I no think, fact checking I on think this I think I can podcast. say this truthfully is... 
when he hits the ball in the air, it goes over the fence. Yeah, that has been pretty true to this point, or at least like right up to yeah. the fence. Yeah, we missed a vocal salami by like mere inches. Yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And some of these home runs have been absurd. The one against the Angels was like seemed physically impossible when you look at it, all of the it things just that hovered. happened. Yeah. It hovered. Yeah. <laughs> and it like really wasn't a good swing. No. He's just dummy thick and he was I, able to hit it out based I on your we thickness. Need, we need to ask ourselves, is Daniel Vogelback perhaps a wizard? Mm. And he was just like, you know, mm. just like did some kind of magic spell to keep that ball just floating. Just and to get him into the bench. lineup every day. There's probably some wizardry there. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's ever like seen a lineup and then done some like invisible ink situation or something. <laughs> you know, worked his magic at the expense of, you know, a Jay Bruce or a Dylan Moore to get himself in there. He actually had a, a very nice quote uh, yesterday after the game because I think it's something that's been of note is that like his playing schedule has been so inconsistent and according to Ryan Divish and Shannon Dreyer and people like he has not complained or shown frustration mm-hmm. um, but his quote was that it's easy to stay in the game and stay focused with this group because it's always fun there's always something going on every inning is exciting we're always <laughs> scoring runs so it's easy to stay focused and stay in the game and not let your mind zone off which like is pretty simple but also like yeah it is pretty easy to be like you know it, it's I think one of the things that maybe we talked about, but I know folks were mentioning, uh, was concern that some of the veterans especially would be a little bit frustrated in Seattle right. early in the season uh, because, like, Edward Encarnacion didn't, was not trying to be here. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like, signed a contract with Cleveland probably because he wanted to be, like, a good hitter on a you know, playoff contender. Yeah. It would be hilarious if we ended up being better than Cleveland. Oh, it would be amazing. Which is in play, I think. It's yeah, very in yeah. play. They could, the Raiders could not make the playoffs and still be better than Cleveland. And, like, that's yeah. not out of the question. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, central trash. Yeah. Um, but, like, as so long as the team is good and so long as everyone's sort of on the same page and you know they're making that happen obviously but i think i think that's a it's a bit of a self-sustaining thing there um i do think there's something interesting about maybe not interesting but vogelbach has only played three innings at first base this year for as Mm -hmm. much as he's played and i think that that Part of that is they're trying to showcase Encarnacion and Bruce and show like, hey, these guys are healthy. They can handle, you know, first base and DH trade for them. But like... They're like Vogelbach, the, the featured pets on yeah. the adoption website. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. They need a good home. <laughs> Sunday exactly. showcase. Yeah. Here's Jay. He loves scritches behind the ears. <laughs> Excellent OBP. Uh, a versatile pet. <laughs> Handle a lot of different spots around your home. Um, it's, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, especially if we do get some trades, whether they start giving Vogelback more work at first, because it's long been said essentially like he is almost purely a hitter. Like he is the most positionless player in baseball. Yeah. Like, there aren't that many of them, but like like Kendrys Morales is essentially mm-hmm. 
that way. And Willie Calhoun, who's the sort of one of the top prospects for the Rangers who came up with the Dodgers, right. is that way as well. But Willie Calhoun at least is like kind of fast. He just has a terrible arm and like no mm-hmm. instincts. So like they keep putting him in. It's he's and he's like five six. He's teeny. Like but yeah, like they just keep player. sticking him in left. <laughs> he is a very funny player. Um, he's a very but he's amazing player. at hitting. Yeah. Uh, but like there aren't that many of those guys, and it, it's very. I want I want him to continue getting work because I think he can be a solid enough hitter to make it happen. But um, it's it's going to you know we saw how the Mariners were for as great as Nelson Cruz was mm-hmm. a little bit limited by having a full time DH on their roster. Uh, and I wonder if they are willing to do that. Limited, but the trade-off was Nelson Cruz was is still, I think, the best DH in baseball. Like, Absolutely. You're getting so much value out of... if it, Okay, so it's a guy... You trade off a little bit of that to have someone who is going to just drive in runs. Yes. It's just their job. And, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I think that's... I think it was worth it. I think that the things that you don't get as a result, though, are... You have a three-person bench, and you don't have, you can't really, you know, use one of the players that you have there. You have to start almost all of your infielders every game. You know, you don't get to get guys days off that often. Right. Um, and that's kind of what they have right now, and with the four first basemen. So yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see how that works. But I mean, he just looks—he hit a homer off a lefty yesterday, which was a big concern for him. Is like if you're going to be a DH only. You have to hit. You have to be right. pl- yeah, platoon have to DH. Right. No. So <laughs> it's been awesome to watch him, and I hope he continues getting plate appearances. I think there's a ch- outside chance that our Ben Thoen's prediction comes true that he is a top twenty WRC plus player, except that he doesn't have enough plate appearances to qualify. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's not the kind of guy who's just kind of like. Hit singles like he's no. gonna when he hits the ball, it's like in the gap or it's yeah. to the warning track or it's 430 feet. So, I would like to make a suggestion to all listeners who attend a game in person if Vogelbach is not playing, hmm. find you a place where you can look at the Mariners' dugout and look at what Vogelbach is doing the whole game because he has made himself a way to stay involved at all times and he's just he's constantly on the top rail he's constantly like the first guy for high fives and he's hugs learning and handshakes. he's learning japanese is that the That's cutest thing oh mm-hmm. my god it's just he's so his teammates love him and if you watch him interact with them you can really see why Bogelbuck. Um, speaking of the bench, this is just something that's been on my mind. It is truly improbable that the Mariners replaced their backup catcher from the University of Hawaii with another backup catcher <laughs> from the University of Hawaii. No! Tom really? Murphy also I'm went joking. to Hawaii. It's a fact. They what? found two white guys <laughs> who are both catchers from Hawaii. Well, not from Hawaii, who played in Hawaii. Yeah, one of whom, by the way, I said this before, but I insist is Aaron Rodgers in like a he pretty really, shaky yeah, Tom, disguise. Yeah, Tom Murphy does <laughs> a lot like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron uh, Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, knows no bounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our Bleacher um, Report exclusive. Okay, um, we've had a pretty sunny recording session, a lot of positive vibes. Um, we should probably, mm. since this is a Mariners podcast, mm. just slight, a slight pivot to not the dark space, but mm. just... 
a cloudier space. Mainly, you're going to want to see John's reaction to this. Right, we got a question from CRT Sports Cards on Twitter. Uh, they would like to know if we have any concerns with Mitch Hanniger's early strikeout totals when compared to last season, or is this something that we should just expect to see from him going forward? Like 160 strikeouts a year is just what Mitch Hanniger is going to do. I'm going to kick this one over to John <laughs> exactly. because yeah. John is our Hanniger expert. And also, last in, in Friday's recap, I expressed some concern <laughs> like, it feels to me like Mitch Hanniger is getting off to a slow start just because I have seen him have it. Mm-hmm. I'm so, it, it, and it just, it's how spoiled we are, right? Like, I am so used to Mitch Hanniger every time putting up a good at-bat. Yeah. It's it's shocked me a little bit how he has right. kind of struck out on some ugly-looking pitches. Well, and I remember right? last year he started so hot when he was hitting sixth, yeah. remember? Because we had, right. you know, and Cruz and Seager still ahead of him. So they were batting him sixth, but he was clearly, like, overqualified for that, and then eventually yeah. he moved up. But, hit 10 yeah. dingers in April, I believe? Something like March that. plus April. Hanager, I mean, Hanager struck out 148 times last year. Um, I think it's reasonable to suspect he would be in that range again. He's a little bit over that pace right now. I think that'll slow down. He's not going to walk at a 3.6% rate. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he's also had some, like, fantastic at-bats. Like, in that Angels game, I want to say... Yes. He had that long, long at-bat that ended up with fouling off a number of pitches and then getting the RBI double to tie it mm-hmm. so that Vogelbach could win it. Um, you know, So I think he's still he's still that good hitter. Um, he is going to strike out at a rate that, if you've been watching baseball for a long time, is probably going to look like a pretty high strikeout rate. It's also around a league average rate. Like mm-hmm. The league average strikeout rate is 23%. He struck out... Below that last year at 21.7. Right now he's striking out 25%. But Which we think is going to stabilize. That's going to go... Mitch, Mitch Hanniger is not going to be striking out 25% of the yeah, time. Okay. I, like, if, you, if, you, if you think that some of the Mariners are going to stabilize in a bad way, I think Mitch is a guy who is going to stabilize uh, in a little bit of a good way. And he's currently, even with very few walks and a little bit more strikeout or a, a little bit more or higher of a strikeout rate than usual. He's still got a 135 WRC plus. He's still just got a very solid, uh, you know, 817 OPS. I mean, he's been perfectly solid. He's been the guy who we thought would be the best hitter in the lineup. And he's been that, except yeah. that everyone else in the lineup has yeah. been insanely good. So I mean, it's like... we were predicting that he was going to walk a bunch more at the beginning of the season just because we were like, oh, he's never going to see a pitch to right. hit. Yeah. But currently, that's not. That's going to change probably because because we know what Hanager is and his level of consistency. We, we've seen Tim Beckham, we've seen Ryan Healy maybe not put up the same kinds of numbers that they're putting up now. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, entirely possible that as others regress, Mitch will kind of... Regress in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, it is April 8th. Yeah. <laughs> Something to consider. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't... I'm trying not to do the whole, like, oh my god, like, this is this is what is... Like, this is what the team is thing, because it's just not the case. You know? As and football like, fans are quick to remind you, and I heard on the radio on the way over here, we have played one, the equivalent of one week of the NFL. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
So you wouldn't make huge sweeping determinations about teams in the NFL after one week. So Yeah, with that said, I've already started doing some mock-ups for Dan Vogelbach's Hall of Fame class <laughs> and picking out closer music for Brandon Brennan, which actually might not be that crazy. Yeah, actually. That might actually that, happen. Uh, yeah. Who would have thought that Brandon Brennan would be the one Rule to, five pick. to rise above sort of the... The they, dumpiness the, of the bullpen. The Mariners did. I we mean, haven't they, talked about the bullpen yet. Do we want to? Will we all be did able we to... get any questions about it? I don't think so. I think people are... <laughs> people don't want to people think about People don't want to think about it. They don't want to devote any headspace to it. Yeah. Uh, Tui Vailala is going to come back in a month or so, right? And Armstrong. Yeah. Well, Armstrong. Tui Vailala might be, a couple, might be like another two. Okay. But... We should get Armstrong, Armstrong back soon. And Swarzak being back. like Swarzak has looked very pretty, relatively solid. Yeah. Um, I think he is like a definitely above average reliever, which is like the only one that, that is we've the bar ever, to clear. He's the yeah, only the guy that clear. has been an above average reliever before. I mean, yeah. I guess Garen was at one point, but has not yeah. looked like it and needs to. He, I mean, like if you look at video of his him in Japan and look at a video of him in the last couple outings he doesn't look the same yeah and whether that's injury or whether he just got jacked up somehow so hopefully they can get him red just right again but uh yeah i mean the offense needs to hit as much as they do for the bullpen to not be blowing stuff and that will not completely sustain but i think we're gonna have a lot of seven six nine seven games yeah. this year yeah. just like we have already we've been saying that since november like it was very clear that this yeah. was going to be the, the like scoring and the the final box scores of right. the entire 2019 Mariners. well like that's how it was like very obviously looked like it was going to be but we've had a lot of like this is how it's going to look and then it just doesn't happen i don't remember a year where it has been like, the archetypes have come true. Right. So, like, everyone is the most of themselves in yeah, this yeah, team yeah. right now. And it's very entertaining. Like, the bullpen is an absolute liability. The defense, the infield defense, especially without Kyle Seeger, is a complete coin flip. And, right. like, the offense, every single person in the lineup is an above-average hitter. Except for D, who still is a good player. Yeah. Like, And we still love him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it seems like they heard us, because we had always been saying, like, if you're going to suck, suck out loud. And obviously they haven't sucked, they've done the opposite, where it's like, if you're going to be good, score 11 runs every time. Yep. Yeah. Only hit extra base hits. So, uh, yeah, thank you as always for your questions. We got this one in at about an hour, so look at Fantastic. us. Turns out when we're actually seeing each other and having a normal <laughs> conversation, it's easy to know when your turn is up. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to yes. guess. When the when people start staring off into the distance, you yeah. have talked too long. Yeah, once Kate is watching this River Cats reliever for multiple pitches at once, that's when I know that we should move to a new topic. But uh, yeah, thank you as always. Um, keep with us as we play the Royals and Astros. It's going to be a nice sort of litmus test for can the Mariners beat a shitty team that they're supposed to beat? And can they maybe hang with a juggernaut like the Astros, who they played well last year, although with a much different roster? And Edwin Diaz. And Edwin Diaz, who yes, was yeah. part of was part of the roster. I'm just saying. So, yeah. Edwin Diaz single-handedly won a bunch of those games. Oh, against. I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, go Mariners, go Vogelback, bullpen. Go maybe. fighting Vogelback. Yeah, bullpen. <laughs> maybe do like a wellness retreat and check back in. <laughs> check back in once you've centered yourself. Bye. Uh, Martin had a dream. 
tree.